0: Welcome to WVU Marketing Horizons, hosted by Ruth Stevens and Cindy green We are grateful to WVU, who offers renowned online master's degree programs in marketing communications, and this series is presented by the Reed College of Media as part of their ongoing marketing series. Thank you for joining us today.
1: Cindy, as you know, innovation has always been an important part. Of marketing, thinking, and practice, right? Absolutely. Well, Michael McCatherin has just published a book on this subject. He's the innovation lead at Chick-fil-A, Yum oh, Yum. Yum Yum. And he's just, his, his book is called Six P's of Essential Innovation, Create the Culture and Capabilities of a Resilient Innovation Organization. Very informative title, isn't it? So I thought we should invite him in here to explain how marketing innovation is evolving and where it's headed. So shall we? And I'd also like to mention that he was kind enough to attend my class for MBAs at NYU Stern in new product development this week. And he was terrific. So let's invite him in. Welcome, Michael. It's great to have you on our
0: episode, which is great, and you have many um, fans and consumers of Chick-fil-A here in our listening audience as well. Um, I hope it's okay if I just... um, Take that first question, Ruth, because I'm Please. so excited to get yeah. us started. Um, first, congratulations on your new book, and I'll look forward to taking a, a read or a listen through it on audiobooks. Um, but help us to ground our conversation. What do you mean by the term um, innovation, since it's such a broad um, term to start?
2: Yeah, well, thanks for having me. Uh, looking forward to this conversation. Uh, you know, depending on your organization, how large or complex it is or what industry you're in innovation can take on a different definition so i think in the book i try to identify how important it is as a philosophy as you're creating this innovation organization that you define it in a way that aligns with your culture with aligns with the work that your people do and aligns with the goals of the, the strategic goals of your organization that makes sense within your industry um, we define it at chick-fil-a as uh, transforming ideas into business value, Ooh, uh, like these that. ideas could these ideas could be internal processes in in finance. Um, it could be something that the consumer may not ever experience, but supporting our restaurants is an ongoing uh, area of innovation that we're that we're continually trying to improve. ultimately, hopefully, that allows our operators. To better serve customers and team members, so that it does indirectly impact other types of innovation are obviously menu or product innovation. Um, but there's there's process, there's service innovation, there's technology innovation, uh, a little bit of business modeling maybe uh, innovation going on that I probably can't talk to you about right now. But <laughs> look look for more of that in the future. Mm-hmm. So the idea, you know, it's it's interesting because. Innovation to me has there's two sides of that coin. One is the capability that we call innovation and the innovation process. The other side of that coin is the culture of innovation, and what I have found in my own experience working with various organizations, including the MBA students, their organizations, and diving into what what they're dealing with, is that we often try to incorporate the the capabilities of innovating uh into areas like marketing uh but what I've seen time and time again is that if the culture of the marketing department isn't ready to receive that capability then it never takes root and a lot of Mm. times sometimes it's Mm. based on and I I make a distinction in the book about innovation versus innovative Ah. I I want the in a, I want organizations and leaders to want to create an innovation organization versus just an innovative organization because we can point to companies throughout history and and point to a season where they were very innovative and that could have been based on a new product a strategic op- opportunity that they took advantage of or it could be based on a leader who was innovative but oftentimes we see you know when that. When that product has run its cycle or when that innovative leader departs, so does then their innovation. So versus innovation organization versus just being innovative. Innovative is like how you do things or what you do. Innovation organization suggests more about who you are. Hmm. I love that.
1: That is really interesting because we've on this podcast had conversations before about marketing uh, departments and how sometimes they are misstructured or misled or otherwise not functioning as as efficiently and and customer responsively as as one would like so what could you tell us about? the culture side, based on your research and, and experience, that a marketing department should be trying to develop?
2: Yeah, that's a super good question. So I think from just a pure cultural aspect, and then we can describe how that influences the outcome of, of marketing efforts, particularly in a department like marketing, where There's this balance of of data analysis and understanding and evaluation with the creative communication and creative products that ultimately, hopefully, are successful in influencing customer behaviors that I think um, culture plays a critical role in at the sub-department level. So you could have a CMO who is is innovation-minded, And he or she desires to have that culture. But if it doesn't resonate with the sub-departments and those leaders to create and strengthen that innovation culture right where they are, then the marketing department as a whole will not be an innovation organization. So Mm -hmm. there are a couple of cues that we can look for in in leaders within marketing who lead with an innovation mindset. One is uh, having to do with trust. And we all know what trust means. We understand what that, the ramifications of lack of trust. We also understand the benefit of trust. But in a traditional leadership sense, leading with an innovation mindset creates a little bit of a new, new perspective. For example, one leadership behavior of a leader who leads with an innovation mindset is that any idea that's presented to me will be met with questions and not statements. I can walk around the, any office, uh, not just within Chick-fil-A, but in anywhere, and if I spend enough time eavesdropping into meetings, I can tell you whether this is an innovation culture or not, because if I hear more questions in the meeting than statements, that may suggest that, ah, these folks have a Q-shaped culture and not an S-shaped culture, meaning statement-driven Um, the, the challenge with that is that, you know, as marketers, because a lot of what we do is subjective, that we feel like the leader has to be the ultimate idea guy or idea girl. And as leaders, we feel obligated to be like, I have to set the level, the bar of creativity or creative problem solving or creative expression, um, or leading creative groups and that puts such a heavy weight on the leader. Yet that's right. what traditional leadership suggests. And what I'm saying is hey, you know what? If I respond to ideas with questions instead of statements, it does two things. It signals to the person that sharing the idea, no matter how outlandish, that I am more interested in how they think than the quality of their idea. So, for example, I would often say, hey, that, you know what? That's a really interesting idea. Tell me how you came up with that. What problem does this solve? We'll talk about that. Well, tell me more about the audience that this serves. Tell me more about that. What do you know? Have we tried to solve this problem before? Is it a new one that you've noticed? Has it existed in the past? Did you collaborate with anybody on this idea? Did anyone else share their thoughts? What challenges might you think? this idea may face both internally and as it as it begins to grow. Where do you think this idea goes next? That in, in the book I give like 15 to 20 starter questions for leaders because well honestly we're not that great at asking questions. Because <laughs> well, you know, th- yeah, go ahead.
0: I think you've hit on a couple of really key points there, Michael. Um, just that last one, you know, we're not really good at asking questions. Um, Often I've seen, you know, when the leader comes into a a room where ideas are being discussed, and maybe there's some ideation going on with the team. You know, sometimes when the leader walks into the room, everybody feels anxious a little bit about sharing. Mm -hmm. It can squash the creativity, or or they feel intimidated to quote share a bad idea or put out an idea in front of the leader, or that what they say has to be more important than what I say because they are they are the leader. Um, That may be cultural, right? But I think human behavior too, we tend to be a little um, maybe hesitant to Mm. put some ourselves out there and know that we could be questioned by someone else in the room, especially somebody who has a higher level or or is a leader in the space. Um, What do you do to combat that natural concern people may have?
2: Yeah, oh my gosh. this is such, this is great. So I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, a company that has had a long-standing relationship with their agency, ad advertising agency. The founder of the agency, the long-standing CMO, is around the table, and their lieutenants are around the table. All the minions were aligned along the wall, not having a seat at the table. Mm-hmm. and if either the CEO or the founder of the agency laughed at some, some pitch that was supposed to be, you know, humorous, then that was like, Oh, let's take a note. You know, he laughed about that. It must be good. <laughs> um, and I was just, uh, it was just, uh, my blood was boiling. It was like, this is so backwards and it is so micro focused on the wrong person. Mm-hmm. Um, that it's whatever's entertaining to these old guys was must be credible work. Where the folks along the wall never spoke. And huh. the folks around the table never turned their chairs to say, "How? tell me more about this. What do you guys think about this? Ever. And it was the exact same model that Pixar, that Ed Catmull had to deal with way back in the day. Where it's like all the directors were around the table. Yet all of the people who were the the creatives and the really the, the driving fuel of creativity we're along the walls and not allowed to speak so ed said we're flipping this everybody's around the table nobody's around the walls and everyone has equitable voices without judgment so that wow. has to so how we overcome that is the leader has to model which is another trust behavior actually that the, the idea of idea equity that when i when i'm in the room If I have the highest title, I need to acknowledge to everybody, look, I know I I have the highest title here, but this is an ideation. We are collaborating. We are bringing our full problem-solving selves to the table, and each of us have a unique gift on how we approach this challenge, and the organization will suffer if your voice isn't heard. My voice is no greater than anybody else's around here. My idea has to be judged with the same weight as everyone else around the table. And you can trust me that how you respond to my idea has to be critical, and I'm not going to judge you for it. I'm going to admire the fact that your perspective was spoken. That's what I want. So if that, if that message in an environment isn't uh, communicated, if the model of how when his, or her idea actually is critiqued, And harshly, that their response is, you know what, I love that response, thank you so much, and move on. I think that that's the only way that culture isn't just a season thing. It's not just a leadership-based thing. It becomes modeled for everybody around the table so that then when those people become leaders... It just feels Mm -hmm. natural way to have a culture. So the other part of that, I'm sorry, I just you know
0: being the quant gal, you know Ruth and I always chat about how I'm you know I'm very data driven, data informed. You know, so I'm always a little bit on my soapbox that marketing sometimes is not as measurable of a, of a discipline Mm -hmm. as some of the other uh, disciplines that, uh, where innovation comes from. And, um, you mentioned that, you know, maybe there has to be this balance between creativity and, and data or, or metrics or data informed, um, and that having to always feel we have to justify and quantify our seat at the table, does that impact um, the ability to be uh, to be an innovation
2: culture? Great question. I think in, in any culture, we, we want to see progress, whether it's our own personal societal cultures or professional cultures or organizational cultures. We want to see progress. And the only way to see progress is for all of us to agree that do we have the right audience? Do we understand their, their greatest need or obstacle or opportunity? Forget about the solution. Forget about the idea. Forget about the great creative marketing and advertising work. Let's just agree on that. And then talk about how will we know we succeed in those dimensions? And, and I mean, I'm speaking to the choir, I recognize. But a lot of times that is, and that is the absolute first baby step of the innovation process. So it's not just unique to marketing. It is That's where every Mm. project, that's where every discussion on a new initiative should begin. And getting agreement on that around the table with senior leadership helps to eliminate the subjectivity of data interpretation later on or, or the quality of the creative later on. Because we can always go back and anchor it to, hey, remember when we recognized that this is our number one audience now? this is their number one need or opportunity now we've gone through the creative exercise and we believe because we've tested and can demonstrate it actually speaks to a the right audience and it meets them where their need is it, uh, yeah so I, again we talk about collaboration a lot like you know collaboration is one of those essential ingredients to the innovation process what we don't talk a lot about is cooperation which is the other end of that so i we can collaborate and leave the room, and I might have absolutely no interest in cooperating. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I think that that needs to be spoken. You know, leaders need to get that out on the table and say, hey, look, collaboratively, we're going to look at this data. Collaboratively, we're going to look at possible solutions and, and, and opportunities. Collaboratively, we're going to look at responses and whatever, you know, data provides us in terms of impact. But cooperatively, I need you to, you know, I need everybody around the table to leave the room as though they were 100% bought in on this stuff. You may not agree with it, but outside of this room, we need to cooperate and agree that collectively as a group, as a team, this is what we're agreeing on as we leave. So don't, you know, don't sabotage either directly or indirectly, you know, the effort because you're not a data, you're not convinced the data. Okay, well, that's okay if you're not convinced the data. That's just a, it's an input. That's what I think what leaders don't recognize a lot of times. And it has to do with culture back to culture again is my opinion as a leader is an input into the process, not the input into the process.
1: Oh, interesting. You know, Cindy and I both came up in the marketing world from the, the, the base of data-driven marketing, direct marketing, where every mm-hmm. new idea was tested in the marketplace pretty much. And mm-hmm. the market would speak. And so we had the luxury of doing more of what works and less of what doesn't work. And we had the data to, to demonstrate the the marketing result. And that reduced a lot of the turf stuff, the biggest voice in the room stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, that you, your efforts or, or your, your ideas here are also designed to Reduce. So, do you see? And you mentioned testing yourself. Hooray! Where do you see testing as part of building this culture and this cooperation mindset hmm. for innovation that that you're you're encouraging us to adopt?
2: Yeah, I think that's the ways that Chick Fil A continually evolves in its marketing innovation is getting closer and closer and closer to to specific customers. The idea of of uh, choice and convenience, whether it's consuming media or consuming, you know, or having access to the product itself, you know, that choice and convenience is important. And every everyone has a different definition of that depending on sometimes their life stage, sometimes just day part. Um, and so understanding that has become more and more and more critical. So it it is as, as long as we can stay focused on the right audience at the time and let them speak we don't need to feel like we have to interpret what we think they're saying we don't need to to interpret the market but let the market speak and Mm. let the customers speak always heading back down to that voice of the customer which i think our marketing department does an amazing job at that we are so customer focused and so customer centric that voice is rocket fuel where i think you know we continue to be challenged is okay then how's what's the right response to that you know what right. is exactly the right response because there's no so and uh, that's, you know, that's where bullet.
1: the ideation and cooperation come in right exactly so yeah, exactly it sounds like your prescription for building capabilities and culture is working great at chick-fil-a and where do you see this
2: going? Are there
1: new, is there new thinking about innovation on the horizon that you can point us to?
2: Um, well, so for marketing in particular, there was a report, the Future Today Institute, Amy Webb's organization, back in 19, uh, 2019, I think it was. And she talked about the trend of synthetic media. When you're thinking about innovations in marketing, like broad, revolutionizing you know uh the marketing discipline we can kind of point to things like database marketing and then later digital marketing and and the things that were like man big milestones that were once on the horizon now we're actually living in it i wonder if the synthetic medium is is going to be one of those milestones so that you know we could generate out of one or two captures of a celebrity's voiceover that through synthetic media, we could generate hundreds or even thousands of synthetic nuances of that same actor promoting whatever, call it toothpaste, but in the language that's endemic to the market around the world without having to have that actor come back in time and time and time and time again. Hmm. Well... This has just been fascinating. Yeah, I think this is something we need to
0: explore in a future episode, Ruth. We could do a whole episode on synthetic media. That's a whole topic for us. Let's look into it. Yes.
1: Thank you, Michael. This has been fascinating. And I appreciate your being so specific with behaviors recommended for CMOs, for example. Really helpful. Thank you. Sure. My
0: pleasure. Great chatting with you Michael.
2: Thank you so much. Thank you. Cindy, wasn't
1: that a great discussion? I I was so impressed about his point that we're trying to introduce new capabilities all the time, but we have to th- make sure that we've developed a culture that can absorb and leverage those capabilities.
0: Yeah, I mean, when he said that innovation is a philosophy that aligns with your strategy, and it's, you know, I I never thought of it in that light. You know, I always thought innovation was a very specific discipline with a process. And of course, it does have a process, but he opened my eyes and
1: ears. Yeah, so that's why he made the point about there are two sides to the coin one is innovation itself which i think is like the culture piece and being innovative Mm -hmm. which is the the new ideas maybe so he reminded us that leaders need to behave in ways that support innovation and help drive an innovative culture. And I loved how he gave us specific tips for how to recognize a, a leader who's on board with this philosophy.
0: Absolutely. I mean how he talked about innovative is how and what, but innovation is who you are. And if the culture's not ready to embrace innovation, then it will not succeed. It will not, you know, germinate within um, the environment. Um, And those tips were great. Um, Which ones did you pick up on, Ruth?
1: Well, I I loved the point about asking more questions than statements or making statements. And that signaling your openness to people's ideas can be achieved through that technique. What a great technique. It's that whole thing about... We have two eyes, two ears and one mouth, you know. Right, right.
0: But, you know, um, it is so interesting because um, leaders are used to making statements. That's kind of uh, how when you evolve in your career from uh, mid-level individual contributor and then you start managing people and then you start leading you know you make statements and people listen you know you become a thought leader you become somebody in the room that people listen to so it was really interesting how he said uh, you know a leader needs to to come across as that I'm more interested in how you think Mm. and the quality of the idea And, and to ask you know all those great questions. I think his book provides, he said, many of these idea starting
1: questions that we all could use. And yeah, start, starter questions, he mm-hmm. said. We've you know, got to go mm-hmm. get that list. <laughs> it
0: does remind me, those of us who are um parents and um have learned this skill when you know your children would come home with artwork. And when they were young and you'd look at this thing or, you know, and you had no idea what it was. It looked like, you know, a bunch of, you know, I don't know, you know, uh, paint on a, or, or, you know, scribbling on a piece of paper. And you wouldn't just say, well, what does that mean? Which is a statement that, that implies, um, some sort of, uh, judgment. Instead, you say, tell me about it. What were you yeah. thinking when you made this? Like, help me, you know, tell me
1: about your picture. You know, it's a similar kind of idea in a much more sophisticated mm-hmm. manner. And I noticed that the questions he brought up as examples were really fundamental marketing questions. And I yes. don't know whether that was to because he was on our show or because that's the the approach that he recommends, but it was all about have we tried this before? Who's the target audience? Did you collaborate? Well, that's not necessarily a marketing thing, but, uh, what is the solution or the the problem that it, it solves? And those are basically jobs to be done type marketing questions, right?
0: Yes. And, you know, I like that he, um, you know, we data marketers, you know, Ruth, you mm. and I get into the data decision, data-driven yeah. marketing quite a bit, that we can apply what he was saying around um, cooperation and a collaboration with um, how important it is to show um, incremental change, right? That, you know, first is who's your audience, second is your need, um, you know, f- focus on what success looks like um and get agreement around that if success looks like x are we making incremental value towards x and then that you can show using your numbers or data or you know the things that we um we look at with bread and butter we don't right. have to rely on them but they can help us to move the needle on whether we're getting incremental um change or incremental success
1: indeed and then I also loved his point about Chick-fil-A's strategy for getting close to the customer oh and letting goodness. I know letting the customer speak so that we don't have to guess or interpret or bring our own point of view to understanding their needs and then of course the creativity and and innovative thinking comes in how are we actually going to meet that need at a profit, right? But mm-hmm. that he he's recommending I loved he said the customer voice is rocket fuel. Yes. <laughs> so it's not only identifying a problem, it's inspiring us to get going like a rocket and figure out how we can solve it.
0: How many times have we been in meetings? where individuals in the room will say well I'd never buy that or I that doesn't resonate with me or you know they squash an idea because they don't see it and we have to remind ourselves we are not are we the audience are you listening to the target audience and are you listening to the market and Frankly, it doesn't matter what we think and what resonates with us if the audience and the market is telling you that this is what motivates them. And we have to keep reminding ourselves, I think, that that was a a pivotal um, moment there, Ruth. And it is rocket fuel, like you said, the voice of the customer uh, always should be paramount.
1: And he wrapped up by tantalizing us with this story about synthetic media from the yeah. the future today institute what a terrific uh, sounding organization so let's try to go find out more about that cindy and get educated on what that means i i was a little afraid at first that maybe this is about deep fakes but there's got to be something behind that that we should know about so maybe a future episode huh
0: I think so. Let's go find out more, and and I'm going to go get that book. Thank you, Ruth, for inviting Michael. Terrific session, Cindy.
2: Thank you. You've been
0: listening to WVU Marketing Horizons, hosted by Ruth Stevens and Cindy Greenglass. Please be sure to visit go.wvu.com edu/slash/mc today to view our upcoming conversations,
1: listen to previous discussions, and subscribe to receive.